everyone has a part of them that they want to get rid of, or they may just want to change it. Today, I challenge that useless part of you. Let's level up on the Don't Be Useless podcast. Use everything God gave you. You can do it. Bro, let's go. I know you're better than this. Be everything God made you to be. Don't quit. Don't be useless with Pacillope. We got three segments we're jumping into. First, we're going to talk trendy. There are some things that hit the media over this past week, and I want to dive into it. Um, Specifically, it's Pastor Wilson uh, committing suicide. So our trendy talk this week is not as upbeat, but it's definitely something that has impacted so many people. And I'd like to talk about that. Secondly, y'all, I got a habit to challenge and this is a pet peeve of mine. Can't wait to share that with you. And then lastly, of course, we got to talk about betrayal. You saw the title of this podcast. Obviously, I have something to share on that. And I'm thinking most of you can identify with it too. Most everyone has been betrayed or hurt by someone else. What do you do with that? So for our talk trendy today, we're talking about the suicide of Pastor Wilson. So Pastor Wilson is um, a pastor who committed suicide this past week. It happened to do, it happened to be the day before National Suicide Prevention Day, which made it an even bigger deal. It got national news coverage and it was extremely heavy. And what I want to do is read to you a quote from another pastor who talks about the situation. The quote reads, depression is real and pastors are not exempt or defective who experience it, he said. In this generation, pastors are expected to be business savvy, Instagram quotable preaching celebrities, fully accessible, deeply spiritual, not too young, not too old. And if a pastor doesn't quite measure up to someone's expectation at any given moment, they are given a two out of five star rating on Google. Wow. We have reduced the ministry to star ratings on Google Let me recommend that you pray for your pastor and support your church faithfully. You'll probably never realize what they walk through privately. Again, this quote by Pastor Paul Vallo um, at Christ Church in Orlando. Guys, he brings out some really, really strong points. Um, I myself am a pastor. I've been in ministry for a long time. And what that means is I have been... Uh, counseling women. I've been uh, putting together events to bring women together, uh, whether it's prayer nights, whether it's rallies, all different type of things. And I understand that we're regular people, but part of the reason I understand that is because I've worked in corporate America full-time for 15 years. And then I just went full-time in a ministry six months ago alongside my So I have a pretty unique situation where I have been in kind of both spaces, everyday world and in pastor world. And I recognize the differences of how people view you in both. When he said that pastors are not exempt or defective if they experience depression or all different kinds of um, 
mental illness is a popular buzzword, but different challenges in their life. He's exactly right. Pastors wake up, they get dressed, they go through their life, they have things from their past or even childhood that tries to bring them down and comfort them the same way everybody else does. Now, what is disappointing is, especially for congregation members, I think something that's really disappointing is when they feel like their pastor is losing. This is not talked about in the church at all. And it's hard for a lot of pastors to be transparent in in um, the church setting because if their congregation feels like they ever have a struggle, just like this guy, uh, what's his name? Paul Vallo said, you might get a low rating just from being transparent because your congregation wants to feel like you wear some type of cape. But you truly are a person that God, uh, hopefully God chose you. You didn't put yourself there. But you're a person that God chose to represent him and helping set people free and bring people to him. So essentially the pastor is a vessel being used. That's who he should be. But the vessel in and of itself still can have a blemish, crack, and different things like that. I think a lot of times pastors get objectified. They're not people anymore. They're objects to many. And I know for me growing up, that's what the pastor was. He was some untouchable, infallible person that by all the great things that was happening through him, that's all the people could see. They saw him as the great things. They didn't see him as the vessel being used to facilitate great things in the name of Jesus. So what I would encourage anyone who's ever, uh, anyone who's ever struggled with suicide, I would encourage, I would encourage you to talk to someone and all church counseling is not created equal. Let me be straight up on that. It is not. Um, some are just cheerleaders being frank. Some are going to take you line by line, like in the word of God and give you that God encouragement you need, which I know our church does. And those affiliated with us, we have a certain type of training we've gone through. And so you have that, but then there are many times we would recommend you need professional counseling. Like you need to process some things that's happened to you. That deliverance may not be the thing that you're seeking right now. Like it may not be your answer today. You may need to process your journey may be longer. So the recommendation may be an actual counselor, I know another buzzword is therapist, therapist, but everyone doesn't need medicine either to get through some of the things that they've experienced or to be uh, their best self. But just know that you're not alone if you've ever felt extremely sad and you knew you were going through some type of depression. And if you've ever felt like uh, you couldn't walk out of something, there are just countless people who also identify with that. So I would definitely encourage you, as I said, talk to someone. Also, take a look at your environment. If going to work, you hate it and it makes you feel bad in life, whether it's the coworkers, the work you're doing, a bad manager, and that job help, helps facilitate this loneliness and sadness and all these other low negative feelings that you experience that could definitely spin you into a depression if it's not a chemical imbalance or something like that. If this is something you struggle with, suicide, talk to someone. It may be calling the National Suicide Prevention Line. Don't wait till you're too far down the road. Can I say that? Don't wait till you're too so far down the road that it takes so much work to get you back. 
Try to handle these things early. Jump on them early. And remember, guys, pray for your pastors. Pray for me, those who know me, who follow me, or happen to even go to our church. Pray for me. Pray for your pastors. They are regular people, but it's also harder for us to talk to people because we are leaders of the same those same people, right? So we definitely need prayer as we walk through various things in our lives as well. So with that being said, it's time to shift gears and challenge our habits. Let's go. So in this segment, I like to challenge habits or dogmas, philosophies, things that we may have adopted in our life that we feel like is, you know, amazing, or we feel like it serves us in life. But I think it doesn't. Okay, so I'm going to challenge whatever habit or thing you're doing today. I'm challenging the comfortable look. Say it again. I'm challenging the comfortable look. This is when you have heard yourself say, I don't care how it look as long as it's comfortable. Oh, even just saying it now makes my flesh crawl. Why? Because you can be comfortable and still look fly, okay? Now, some of y'all are like, nope, nope, nope. Comfort is comfort. Comfort trumps everything. Comfort trumps style. You know what someone said to me the other day, which actually caught me off guard? They were like, you need to teach something on how to look pulled together all the time. <laughs> and I was thinking, what? Because I don't feel like I'm pulled together. I feel like I just put clothes on, but I have a certain set of, I guess, almost guidelines before I step out of the house. And when they said that, they made me think about like, man, if this is something that, and other people, it made me think, but other people have said this to me too. And I'm thinking, I know this shirt only $10. I know I only paid 12 for these pants. Like I know, like I know I'm not dressed expensively. I can hunt for deals and designers for the low low i'm good at that but that doesn't mean just because you have on nice things that you still look pulled together so i'm going to share some of the things that i do that i think help me to look stylish but i'm still a hundred percent comfortable so just because you want to be comfortable doesn't mean you look like trash okay all right okay so here's what i got one always have a pair of earrings in your ears there are clip-ons if your ears are not pierced and if you're not a flashy person go with studs even a studded earring in your ear the the metal the brightness of it it illuminates your face so it helps you to look brighter and look more intentional um, in your look or whatever you have on if you have some type of stud. So when you wear nothing in your ears, it definitely, I think, takes the whole look all, you know, lower, okay? The other thing is a clean or smooth face. Now, I have a certain day of the week um, my day, on one of my days off where I don't wear any makeup. I try to make sure my day looks like in a way where I don't feel like I need to present myself to a group of people or whatever have you. So because I'm not on a platform speaking or in meetings or whatever else, I don't wear any makeup, but my face is clean and I will put on even some cosmetic like fashion glasses 
um, just to keep like my look together. This is, I know everyone doesn't feel comfortable and throwing on a cute pair of glasses and this and that. If your skin is bomb, you don't need this. But for me, I know I've had some trouble areas. So for me, I like doing that. But if your skin is smooth and clean and moisturized and moisturized, you will look all the way pulled together. Next, and this is a big one, your shoes need to actually complement what you have on. Y'all, I cannot stress this. So some people, you're dressy up top and then you put on gym shoes and the style of the gym shoe is extremely rugged. It looks like you're going on a mountain trail on the ankle, but then on the outfit, you look like you're going to work, okay? There are so many different options when it comes to making sure your shoe gear at least goes with the style of what you have on. Again, this is not expensive. You can have on a $10 pair of white, a simple looking shoe with nearly anything you wear and it will go. Nearly anything. So I'm not talking expensive, but definitely for me, I want my shoes to match the shoe style to match whatever I have going on. Lastly, and this is a big one, athletic wear is not an outfit. Y'all, I can feel y'all picking up stones. I can feel y'all wanting to chuck them things at me. If you have on athletic pants and athletic top, they can still look fly, okay? They can go. And you have on gym shoes and you're thinking, hey, at least the whole style looks like it's one thing. Great. Awesome. Your face looks pretty clean. Your hair is pulled back, pulled together or whatever have you. But some t- for some folks, it is all that they wear. One of the dangers for me is it can, um, if you wear it all the time or you going to real meetings and like real things in life and you have an athletic wear, is sometimes it can start to look lazy, especially if you're not working out. You say it, (laughs) your lifestyle is not of working out, but it's all you wear. Secondly, a danger of this is if you start gaining weight, you may not notice because everything you wear most of the time stretches. So you want to watch out for wearing things that stretch all the time where you can't tell if you're gaining weight. And that is only really a care, the gaining weight part, if it's unhealthy, right? If you're, you know, getting in an unhealthy way. All right. Last thing on this, the comfortable look as I challenge it. Guys, your hair doesn't have to be 200 bucks, 80 bucks to look amazing. But if it's neat... And your style may be edgy where it's like flared out and stuff, but it's still neat, right? Like it's still pulled together. Even if you feel like, oh man, like for, especially for women of color, uh, specifically black women, if we put relaxers in our hair and we feel like we need a new one, so we just let the whole hair go. No, just smooth that thing back, put in a tight ponytail, you're good to go. Look at your hair looking clean and neat. So these couple of things will make you look, I'm telling you, it takes your your whole look a ho- up to a whole nother level. Anything that's abruptly taken will trigger a reaction, whether it's a one-year-old, a 10-year-old, a grown adult. If you feel like something has been taken from you abruptly, it will trigger a reaction and typically it is not a good one. If you've ever been fired from a job, the hurt, 
the pain of that. Some people retaliate. Food. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those, don't take a french fry out my plate. Don't you pick up. Mm -mm. Anything taken abruptly will generate or cause a reaction. Betrayals come when you expected loyalty, but it is abruptly shattered. It's taken. Sometimes you don't even see it coming. Now, if you're in a friendship or a relationship you've been in a long time, sometimes we get a little bit complacent. And what happens is we don't anticipate anything negative will ever happen in the friendship. And sometimes it won't. You know, sometimes we think we got betrayed and we didn't. And that's a whole nother topic. We're just kind of a sensitive person. So we feel like we're hurt all the time by every little thing. That's a whole nother thing. But we're talking, I'm talking specifically to the folks who have been in relationships or friendships and it has ended over a betrayal. Whether someone cheated on someone, like your best friend cheated with somebody, your husband or boyfriend, or it was uh, a friendship at work and now they're tripping or somebody goes to you and now y'all, you know, you ain't heard from them in forever. So it's a lot of different levels of betrayal. But when I thought about betrayal, I it came from a real place for me. There are two specific times where I felt like, oh my gosh, this definitely is a betrayal for me. Like I felt like the loyalty left the building. And with two of them, both of them, I did not see them coming. The first one, I noticed that this girl, like she started... um not wanting to be around me as much. I noticed she start almost like clicking up. So I was younger. I was in my early 20s. I don't know, 23 or something. I was in my early 20s. And I was a leader of this group. And I noticed that she started to, I felt like, get a little bit envious, if I'm being honest. And I tried to talk to her and she wouldn't talk to me. And I, I mean, I did everything I could to have a conversation but she had done something where she tried to um, say lies and different things and try to get me removed from being a leader anymore. Well, what she did worked. And I had to step down from this leadership role. And I was devastated. And I'm thinking, how in the world did this happen to me? Like, this is going to impact so many people because the role I was in encouraged people, brought people together, that type of thing. It's, it's just who I am. I love it. So it was devastating for me to not be able to do that anymore. And later on, she apologized to me. Later on, she came to me and was like, I'm so sorry. And I think, okay, well, tell them you lied. She wouldn't do it. But she apologized. As you can see, I'm over this now. But in that moment, I was so hurt. Like I was destroyed inside. It was my first big betrayal. I didn't know what to do with it. But something that I read in the Bible helped me. So this scripture in Psalms said that God says, I will repay your enemies. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And I said, oh my gosh, are you, are you serious, Lord? You're telling me that you will repay any enemy of mine and I don't need to do anything. So I read more in the book of Psalms and I saw more and more scriptures there and in Proverbs that told me that God would handle anything that opposed me. 
I needed to keep still and keep my mouth shut. Y'all, I said, okay, I'm so broken that this is absolutely worth a shot. (laughs) I'm so messed up about this. And that's exactly what I did. I stayed quiet. I didn't gossip about it. I lost friends over it because she was talking, talking, talking. I mean, going, going, going. And I was quiet. I kept showing up where I need to show up. Even though it was around the same group of people, I felt shame because I'm like, I know what this girl is saying. It didn't matter. I'm like, and I, every day I would quote the scripture that God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay thee. That's right. That's right. You will. You got me. You'll cover me. Y'all, it was a matter of months. Um, It wasn't a matter of months before she was now in the role that I had. And soon after, I don't, I can't, I don't know the time frame, but soon after she had to be, she had to leave the position too. Cause some weirdness happened with her and a whole bunch of stuff blew up and all of this stuff. And I don't think that's repayment. Like, I don't like that because I feel like people were hurt and all of these other things. But something that I did notice is, um, later on when she did apologize to me, she told me how her whole life was stripped bare from savings to losing jobs to like car breaking down all of those things, and she knew that it was as a result of what she had done, which which is something that inspired her to apologize and everything later. So, and which I so appreciated because it helped me to see number one, God does handle His business, and it doesn't matter if both people are Christians. What you sow, you reap, whether you believe in God or not. And so there was something she sold that she reaped. It didn't necessarily have to do with me, but God was right. If you, of course, He's always right, but if you stay on the path that you're supposed to, he handles everything else. You don't got to come for their throat. He gets some. Now, the second betrayal that I experienced in my life was a lot different because that one was family. And it involved more than one person. And that's one where one person, I totally expect it. This is their character. This is how they do. I've always known them to be this way. So their role in it, was it I mean it's a normal thing it's not even a big deal it's a normal thing but then there was another person I would say person and a half in it that I expected to show some um empathy and apologize and be truthful and it surfaced to me to where I knew they were not being truthful and that they had actually lied to me and all the years of investment into what I thought was a friendship outside of just family Blood may have brought us together, but I thought there was friendship and that's what was devastating for me. And so I'm the type of person where I tell you if I'm offended, like if I'm hurt or if there's something that, um, I need to like do to clear my heart, I'm going to say it. So I went to each person and I told them, this is how I feel. This is what disappointed me. This is what I didn't see coming, whatever, another And I had to really get to a place where I could forgive them. And the example for all of this, for me, was my first betrayal. The first betrayal showed me how much God is on your side when you believe in him. And it also showed me that I did not need to take something into my own hands. I didn't need to try to comfort somebody or smear people or do something crazy. Nope. He told me to chill. Now, this one was harder than the first one. It was harder not to retaliate. And it took, I mean, months for me to actually let it go. And again, not 
even the initial person that made the thing spin into motion, like the ones that I thought would be loyal and all that, those are the ones that got me. And that's what hurt. And so it took me a couple months, but I finally got to where I could truly say, I completely forgive this person. And I'm also not going to let the hurt make me bitter. Forgiveness came a lot faster. Me not letting the hurt make me bitter took, it took, gosh, six months at least for me. Now for some, it takes years. I get you. For my father, it took me years to love him because of the environment he ha- he created for us as kids. So that took me longer. So I'm not saying everything is fast, but for these specific betrayals, um, for this second one, man, I had to release it. And there were certain things I did in order to release it. Now, if you want me to do a podcast on that, I am more than happy to talk about how I actually walked out of it. But can I encourage you with this specific story from the Bible. There are two people that I think face some of the biggest betrayals in the Bible. And I, as I say this, for those who know the Bible a bit well, can you think or guess who I'm about to say? Well, one of the people that I think had one of the biggest betrayals was Joseph. Joseph had 11 other brothers. And Joseph started to have these dreams And these dreams used agricultural references in order to show him that he would be great. Well, Joseph was not one of the brothers that had to go out into the field. There were 10 brothers that went out into the field and they would work the field. But he was not one of those brothers. He was smart. So his mother was teaching him and all these other things, but he wasn't one that put his hands to the field. So there was a bit of jealousy and rivalry as if he was favored because his mother was more highly favored with the father than anyone else. So Joseph and his zeal ran out and was like, I just had this dream. Here's what happened. The brother's anger got worse and worse. They got so angry with him until they decided to sell him into slavery eventually, and I'm fast forwarding big time here, eventually he got to where he was so high in the, in the kingdom to where he was second to the king. And he was, or to Potiphar specifically, and he still had not let go of the fact that he was sold into slavery. Now, for those of you who know the text, you may be thinking, well, how did you know in all this time of him getting promoted and all of this that he had not let go? I knew he hadn't let go because it said, because the word of God says that one day his brothers had to come into Egypt, had to come to the palace to ask for food. And when they came, Joseph saw them and he was in charge of making sure that they made it through this seven year drought. So he had direct access and authority over the food and all of that and so much more, of course. But y'all, when his brothers got up to the line, he did something different. He was like, well, let's have them for dinner. Then he said, now I'm going to plant something on them and say that uh, that they stole it. And then I'm going to keep my youngest brother here, which I've longed to know and grow up with, which he didn't get to grow up with, but he loved his younger brother, the Bible said. Y'all, he sent them jumping through hoops. 
And in all this time, I believe he was, there was a debate, you know, that inner turmoil where you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna let this go. You know, I don't know if I'm gonna make him pay. I don't, all of those things. He's having all these real emotions. This dude is chosen by God from birth. He's having dreams. He's seeing things that God has promised him in his life. But even it reminds me of pastors. Just because you're chosen doesn't mean you have normal emotions. Just like I talked about earlier. So in this time, Joseph is debating. Finally, Joseph reveals himself because his brothers didn't know that he was that person in authority. They didn't know. Joseph shows himself and says, I am your brother, Joseph, who you sold into slavery. His brothers run to him. They throw themselves at his feet and bow just like in his dream when he was a little boy. And they ask him to forgive them for what they had done. My prayer is anyone who has ever betrayed you, first, that you can get to a place where you can truly forgive and let them go. Secondly, I would want for you to also be in a place where you can say, even though you've betrayed me, I forgive you and I am willing to let God's perfect will happen in your life, which will include him avenging me. Can you allow God to handle the repayment? Can you let God do it? The second example, and this will be a little bit quicker, but the second one is, is uh, with Jesus. Judas was one of Jesus's 12 disciples, which means he was handpicked by God to walk alongside Jesus for those three years of Jesus's ministry. And then the night before Jesus was taken into custody, nearing his crucifixion, he's sitting at dinner with all of the disciples and says, one of you is going to betray me. And he says to Judas, Judas, go do what you got to do. And I'm, of course, skipping a little bit here for time's sake. Judas, go do what you got to do. Judas then leaves and is paid for giving the Pharisees Jesus's location so they can go arrest him in the middle of the night. And where was Jesus's location? He was praying to make it through all of the difficulty he was about to face. Jesus with human emotions in this garden praying. The Bible says that he even says to God, if I don't have to do this, please don't make me. And I'm paraphrasing here. If I don't have to do this, he said, let this cut pass. But Lord, it's not my will, it's yours that I want to see happen. I want done. So Jesus, who had normal human emotions, though he was God manifested on earth, he had human emotions because he's in a human body. Y'all, and this is kind of taking me back to the Pastor Wilson situation. But if Jesus had normal struggles through the pressures of life, please know that your spiritual leadership does too. There are seasons where it's more difficult for them than others. They are fallible people, though God uses them as vessels. If Jesus had it, we definitely do. So don't make us an object. We are people too. But guys, Jesus allowed Judas to, to betray him. He didn't try to hold on to someone who didn't want to be with him anymore. He didn't try to stop the person who had decided, 
I'm walking away. And I think sometimes we're betrayed and we try to hold on to the person because of everything that's been invested in the relationship. But it is time to let go and seriously let God do whatever he needs to do to bring us back, bring them back to him, bring us back to him and heal from the betrayal. So those are the two examples that came to me when it, um, when it comes to betrayal. But as you notice in the title of this podcast, I also have the, the sentence of, I needed that. Betrayals show you who you really are. They show you to the gut of you who you are because everyone can be nice and loving when everything's going right. But when you have been attacked, when somebody has come for you, that's when you find out what you're made of. And so my prayer is for everyone who listens to this podcast is that we can grow to a place to where the guts of us, the basis of who we are is absolutely useful in life. It serves us, but most importantly, it serves the God we love. Thanks so much for listening to the Don't Be Useless podcast. You have heard the episode specifically about betrayal. My prayer for you is that you're able to walk away from here and study your word and grow in God to a place where you can clean up any hurt, any any healing that needs to happen. You give it to God so that way you may be the best person and the most useful person that he has called you to be and useful for you, of course, and for the kingdom of God itself. Love you guys. Definitely follow, subscribe. I'm going to do a post this week um, or within 24 hours of this episode asking the question around betrayal. I'd love to see you respond to that. Have an awesome day. See you next time. Listening to podcasts can be one of the best ways to get encouragement, education, and empowerment. But something that's even better is being in the room with like-minded people that are also leveling up with you. I want to invite you to the Come Alive Woman's Experience, October 11th through 13th, here in Round Rock, Texas, just outside of Austin. If you're local, you definitely should be in the place. We kick off Friday at 1 o'clock. We have some really fun and special things that we have planned for you guys. But something that's going to be extremely impactful is the intimate panel. Literally a sisterhood of women who are going to have one of the biggest, most intimate conversations on anything you can think of. Now, we also have some amazing special guests, KCJ being one of those. We also have Christina Harvey, who's going to be here leading worship, Katie Kazadi. Katie will be in the building and I'm so excited that she will be joining us. You also will hear me speak. I have such a special message planned for you guys. For tickets, you can go to Faith for Life, Faith, the number four, life, AUS.com backslash events and scroll over to Come Alive Women's Experience. Otherwise, you can visit us on Eventbrite for the Come Alive Women's Experience. Just search Come Alive Women's Experience. See you soon.